warning. This podcast contains adult themes, and as the anger starts to ramp up, so does the language. Welcome to Perfectly Murderous. Kia ora and welcome to Perfectly Murderous with myself, Ryan Stevenson, and my good friend, Sandy King. How are you, Sandy? Merhaba, Ryan. Gnaida Nazisin. Ah, mahal. Eason? Sandy. Chucky E? Ah. C, Chucky. Chucky E. Wow. I didn't know you spoke Turkish. Oh, fluence. Fluence. I. I quite often go most of the day speaking Turkish, actually. It's funny how it happens, isn't it? You just drift into it. You don't notice it. But then it's, uh, you look back and you get, yeah, I have actually only spoken Turkish today. That's probably why my nine o'clock meeting didn't go well. <laughs> I'm glad you picked a language because I, I just didn't get around to it this week. That was cool. I like to be thoroughly prepared for these occasions. <laughs> speaking of being thoroughly prepared, Sandy, can you remember... Oh. <laughs> Alan Partridge in the house. Wow, that is that is professional broadcasting here. So, Sandy, as always, my favourite part is test time. You sadist. What can you remember? Right, okay. Installment one of the Robert Steele Detective Trilogy, still conspicuous by his absence, is the Detective Robert Steele. <laughs> we are... How many chapters in now? It must be about... Like 10 chapters in? 11? <laughs> We've done seven chapters. Seven chapters in, yet to meet the main man. Instead, we have David Stone, who appears to be our protagonist. He has been tending to his dying wife in a hospital, and she's passed away. And in the last chapter, there was a lot of anger. Anger at the health system. Anger at universe anger at even at his family for not turning up uh, there were hmm um <laughs> well well i mean he was oh yeah so in conclusion it was quite a sad chapter last time he had to he had to feed his wife because the hospital staff wouldn't and that's what i remember <laughs> Go on, go on. <laughs> Tell me your notes that you've prepared with your homework and your diligence and your advanced planning. Make me look stupid. Well, it does help that I have the book and then re-listen to the podcast as I edit it. So that does help. First of all, I've noticed that I've stopped calling it the recap. I've just called it Test Sandy time. <laughs> and um, my favourite game while, you, while, while you're being tested is just to stay silent, just to see wh- where you go. And what you might say next. You're like a therapist, aren't you? (laughs) At the end of it, you just go, and how did that all make you feel? My silence just is like, and? Go on. (laughs) Judges me. Yes. It always makes me feel, because I get to a point where I feel like I've provided a reasonable (laughs) summary of what happened last week. But there's still silence egging me on, goading me. And that's when I start reaching more and more for half-remembered details. Was there, there was a siren outside, I think, maybe? Or was it an angry bird that flew into the room? Um, Or it could have been a startled child running down the corridor. No, wait, it was the incessant ringing of a phone. There was a clock. A clock was ticking. No, that was the week before. I hate this. I hate you. 
Well, actually, I titled the podcast The Blame Game because mm. it kind of suddenly dawned on me when I was editing it. David Stone put Anne into is it the Liverpool Care Pathway, I think it was. Yes. And that had kind of all fallen apart and failed and he was blaming himself for the position that she was in. And then I don't know whether a way of deflecting that blame away from himself or just because of the sheer anger, but it became, who else can I blame? Mm -hmm. And then that sort of, mainly the hospital staff. And then it also crept into the first wife and also maybe not blame, but there was talk of family he didn't visit, which is sort of blaming him for his predicament and the fact he wasn't getting support. Yes. But lots of blame, I kind of felt. Yes, I was going to say that, <laughs> but I, I thought I'd let you make the point. <laughs> yes, it's very kind, it's very kind. <laughs> As I, as I was doing that, I was editing it, and then I, I had a sneaky peek through the next chapter just to make sure that I can pronounce all of the words. <laughs> we continue with blame. I think this, this episode should be subtitled, Blame! Exclamation <laughs> mark. I want to live forever. <laughs> so, Sandy, you ready for Getting Away With Murder? Chapter 8. Hit me. Okay. His body tried to fight against the drugs with images forced to swim in and out of his thoughts, but it proved fruitless. His brain still seeking peace and protection from the trauma of Anne's death. It took hours of, for the sedation to weaken, his mind fighting all the time against the confusion, trying to make sense of all the images floating in and out of his sight. But he needed answers and his brain strained to find a starting point where everything would finally make sense. But there were just random images, his thoughts going back in time, where to start, and then glimpses of the holiday villa, sitting by the pool. But he knew he needed to go further back than that. Poor Anne, where to start? Where had it all gone wrong? The letter. Her upset at the contents. The holiday to take her mind off things. The start of her illness. She came back ill from that break. Ill, not better. All the worry. Still worrying. No enjoyment this year. The long drive back home. Sickness and upset for them both because of that letter. The despair, the worry, all so wrong. All her fault. Damn that bloody woman for causing this. The witch. Hmm. I think we're starting to focus the blame. <laughs> yeah. We have an antagonist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, reading between the lines, there does seem to be a new target of all this anger and blaming and resentment. Yeah. Have we heard the name of David's ex-wife yet in the book? No, and I don't think you do. I think oh. she's commonly referred to as the witch. <sighs> So. I, I mean that's that's one that's one way round the lawsuits. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't referring to you. This was about an actual witch. <laughs> In a completely hypothetical life scenario, that's I imagine that's how the some authors may also refer to their ex-wives. Potentially, we don't know. <laughs> we can speculate. That's all we can do. We can speculate. <laughs> Anger of the thoughts. His brain not coping with the conflict going on in his head. Angry, he sank into a deep, troubled sleep. Hours passed before he became aware of distant noises and faint lights as his thoughts started to become clear again. More images. School. The doctor. Everything jumbled up. Tried to make sense of things. Eventually he remembered her feeling unwell on the holiday. It was designed to give her rest and enjoyment. Her breaking down. The endless visits to the doctor. The bags full of medicines that never seemed to have any effect. Standing in the chemist, pushed against the walls because there were so many other people jammed in there. The hacking coughs, the constant sniffing, discarded tissues fallen on the floor like albino leaves swept against the wall by the wind from the ever-opening door. The hordes of obese old women, hardly able to get in the door to collect their armfuls of medicines. 
eventually having his name called, hoping he had enough in his pocket to even pay for the useless pills. She must have gone through everything the doctor and chemist had to offer, also bloody pointless. The anger and frustration because they couldn't be bothered to treat her properly. Contempt and confusion that sparked off those dark brooding colours that caused him to slip back deeper into unconsciousness. Swirling colours, images that meant nothing. There was just anger now. Who to blame? Those black thoughts. His memories were ones of exasperation, resentment, of frustration at the lack of effort, the sheer waste of time. It was how he often felt walking back into the chemist. Just try something else. Perhaps it would work this time. Yeah, fat chance. Not a clue. Not a bloody clue, any of them. Why was no one looking after her properly? Finding out what was wrong. Doing an in-depth examination. Giving her a fighting chance. They're all so bloody useless. No, they weren't even close to useless. And Sandy, that is your chapter eight. Quite a short chapter there for us. Right. I didn't know that leaves could be albino. I, d I don't want to focus on the wrong <laughs> the wrong details of this chapter, but that <laughs> struck me. It's that the two <laughs> phrases that leapt out at me were that and quote hordes of obese old women, which I, I feel like we should maybe maybe sidestep. I, I did enjoy the hordes of obese old women. I do have a sort of almost comic image of just literally no room in the chemist because all of these old obese women have taken up <laughs> all of the space. <laughs> and there's just, you know, one in, one out because that's physically the, the room available. Well, it's one way to enforce social distancing. <laughs> It reminds me of over here. So we've got um, there's there's pension day on a Tuesday right. and then various shops and things in town offer discounts for senior citizens. So Tuesday, if you go to town, if you, if you don't know what's happening, it's just hordes and <laughs> hordes of doddery old people. Like a zombie movie. It is. It, you've got to be careful how you're driving. Uh, <laughs> if you get stuck behind people, if you're trying to go in a rush anywhere, you can't move up and down the aisles in the supermarkets. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but <laughs> 78 years later. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, we're starting to get that focus on the blame, the ex-wife. Yes, the targets of the blame in this chapter include the ex-wife, her letter, the pharmacy, and elderly citizens <laughs> with weight issues. Yes. Right, you ready for chapter nine, Sandy? Bring it on. Okay. There was real anger at those memories. Anger at the system. How it had failed Anne. How it had all gone so wrong. He couldn't remember the sequence of events leading up to Anne's death. Everything was so confused, swirling images over and over again that made no sense. Just the colours and eventually the blackness. Where his brain became overwhelmed, where nothing made sense of his situation. But he lay there desperately trying to remember something, anything to get things in some sort of order. Desperation overwhelming his fatigue. Why had this all happened? Why had it gone wrong? Who to blame? Yes, who to blame? Me. It was my fault. I was as much to blame as they were. Oh, there was more to this than an outside influence that kick-started the avalanche of heartbreaking events. Yes, the witch had caused this. And that bloody letter, that was bad. That was evil of her. But I thought I knew best. I would get the better of them all. Go away. Get some rest. A holiday. Get over that letter. Forget the letter. Go to France for a holiday, her favourite place. But when I took you away, you weren't well. I thought it was just your gallstones playing up again. Didn't realise you were suffering. You had a habit of eating all the wrong things, especially on holiday when the effects of rich, fatty French cheeses were devastating. So stupid to have eaten them. Days of pain would follow. 
and I was usually totally unsympathetic. This holiday hadn't been any different, and I wasn't surprised when you weren't well. But why hadn't I picked up on the warning signs earlier? It had all gone on for far too long before I realised something was badly wrong. But that bloody letter started it all. Damn the witch. May she rot in hell forever. The letter. He thought back to that fateful day. The official brown envelope arrived with the usual junk mail and bank statements informing them just how big their overdraft had become, along with a plethora of unpaid bills. A letter that he was due in court next month to defend a charge of being levied on the property by the CSA. I think that's the child support agency, just FYI. And sorry, what does FYI mean? <laughs> the, the, C, the CSA, FYI. I, my favourite series of that is the one in Miami, but I think the the New Orleans <laughs> one is good too. This is the Faversham version. CSA, FYI. <laughs> Reading through it in stunned silence, he went into a state of shock as he took in the full meaning of the official threat and demanded to see what had caused him so much upset. Reluctantly, he handed over the letter, and for once her resolve faltered. She panicked and then dissolved into tears, rocking against him in despair. They can't do this, they can't do this, was all she said over and over again. They can't steal our house. She sobbed in his arms for hours that day. Everything had gone wrong after that. Tried to calm her down. The holiday, organised at short notice to try and make things better, takes some of the worry out of the situation. But everything goes wrong. The stress, the worry, then the illness and the waiting, all the downhill after that, the sickness, the doctor's visits, round and around with no solution in sight. Finding out weeks later that the stress caused by the letter had been the catalyst of her illness. He remembered weeks later the doctor eventually managed to arrange an MRI scan to try and locate the problem, but it had taken an age to even get that far. He'd already made up his mind and agreed with the prognosis especially with her past history. She'd been diagnosed with gallstones and he just wanted to find out where the stone was stuck. The doctor hadn't even suggested going into hospital. It was as if he hoped Anne would suffer at home and wouldn't inconvenience or embarrass him by admitting there was absolutely nothing he could do in the way of treatment. He got it wrong and didn't provide the care she so desperately needed. But there was no care. And worse, no cure now. All too far gone. Anne became just another statistic. Someone who wouldn't matter at the end of the day. Where was the bloody help? Why did no one care? A doctor who got it wrong. A hospital staffed by people acting like robots. Not my problem, should be written across their uniform pockets. I just work here nine to five, but sorry, I'm off shift now. Come back the next day. Just join the queue again. It was all too much for him. He couldn't remember anything else now, just upset and anger. The blackness returned. Images swirled around his head and he fought hard to make sense of the angry memories. His brain took the easy way out and let the drugs overwhelm his body. He couldn't remember anything else now, just blackness and anger. That is quite a good insight into how I feel when you say, so Sandy, what happened last week <laughs> with your with your notes and your re-listening to the podcasts and your copy of the text in front of you, like some bloody university lecturer smug <laughs> all oh i've read the whole of the last three chapters of to kill a mockingbird i haven't just glanced at the york notes <laughs> bloody lecturers bloody ryan i can't have a feel this is uh... sorry i think i think this might be starting to affect my own thought yeah. process i don't know <laughs> triggering some memories from university <laughs> days <laughs> dark memories <laughs> the assignment the bloody assignment um 
there is a bit of disappointment when we find out that it's an official letter and that the adjective bloody is pejorative rather than a literal description <laughs> because it would be marvellously in keeping with the tone of the front cover of this book. <laughs> See episode one of this podcast for details if it turned out that it was a literal bloody letter that had been sent. As far as how real these chapters are, I would say mm. pretty real. I remember oh. the CSA letter and then I had I had to write an, a letter in support of my dad about the care he'd provided. And so, uh, yeah, I imagine this is all, wow. all very real. And I know that France was a favourite holiday destination that was often frequented. So, yeah, I would say those two chapters are pretty on the nose. How old were you at the point where you had to write this letter? Oh, I imagine probably mid-twenties or something like that. Right. Yeah, mid to late twenties. And it was basically to testify that he had done his part raising you. And Yes, I, I don't know what the confusion was exactly. I tried to stay out of it a little bit. But yes, I think the allegations were that Dad hadn't paid, paid maintenance or cared for us or done something... You know, mm. not been president, and the and the child support agency had paid all this money, and now he owed them X amount of of uh, pounds. So, so in fact, the origin of the letter was the agency, not this hadn't come directly from quote the witch. Now, funny you should say that because I remember the time that blame was very much attributed to my mum for causing mm. for causing or doing something to cause the CSA to start legal proceedings. But actually, it turns out that none of it had come from my mum at all. Oof. It had just come from the agency. God, that's such a sad thing to, like, retrospect. If you take the version of events presented in these chapters as, as gospel, that's a horrific misunderstanding. Yes, yes. And there was quite a lot of anger at the time. And I, and I had to go away and speak to my mum and say, uh, have you done anything? <laughs> and wow. It's quite interesting talking to both parents because my as you may have guessed, my dad ruminates on things slightly. Mm. Yes, he does seem like a bit of a thinker. <laughs> yeah, might, might come across. But my mum's basically a hippie who hasn't stopped being a hippie. So she's very just like, oh, it doesn't matter. Da, 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 move on. So she's kind of over this, Ooh. like, you know, a long, long time ago. Yeah. Holds no resentment. And it's just like, yeah, everything's fine. Da, 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 and just gets on with stuff. Uh, so, yeah, quite the contrast in the in the parents' reflections. I'm trying to remember back to your wedding day. Like, were they both there? And, like, are there occasions where they are in the same space? You know, kind of birth of children or family weddings or anything like that. Have they seen each other? Yes. In, in the past? Yeah. I mean, in fact, you would have been at... Uh, my wedding with both of them present yes no I, I can i can confirm that i was definitely the wedding and remember many details of it but i couldn't remember i suppose not having had my attentions kind of diverted to the backstory mm. in in the way that this podcast like i'd be interested to revisit that day yes <laughs> through, through the lens of being aware that presumably at around about that time he was writing a first draft of a lightly fictionalised plan to murder her. Yeah, th at that point, the book would have been in process in some way. And then for, mm. for, <laughs> for, for him to come across my mum and, uh, and uh, know that she's part of the story. What have you been up to, darling? Wow. <laughs> You'll have to read the book and find out. <laughs>
really sad though to hear about the this you know misdiagnosis and and I'm sure that must happen yeah with an overstretched health service it, it must be far too common and especially if you've had previous problem perhaps you've got the same symptoms and then it'd be quite easy for the doctor to go oh yeah it's probably this yeah fatty french cheeses yeah. and then it's x amount of months down the line when treatment could have been happening potentially mm. so yeah I can completely understand the the blaming of the health service I mean we talked about the previous chapter how people have been applauding NHS workers and been really appreciating the work that they've been doing over the pandemic. But obviously, mm. David Stone's experience hasn't quite been the same. And I can understand that anger. Well, we'll leave it there with the with the book for this week. But um, I will say that next week yeah, we have a fairly uh, violent fantasy. Oh, OK. <laughs> That'd be something to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah, let's look forward to that. That'll be fun. <laughs> Love a good violent fantasy. <laughs> okay, a bit of a change in gear. Yeah. I just want to meet Robert Steele, to be honest. I don't want to fixate on Robert Steele, but his, you know, his name's on the cover. <laughs> Maybe he's like, who's... um. Oh, I'm thinking of Fraser and um, Niles' wife. Oh, Meris, yes. the ex-wife. <laughs> yeah, ma- yes. maybe he's like Meris. He's an off-screen character. Yeah, we... we <laughs> He'll never appear. We just hear lots about the, you know, the paperwork that Robert Steele's doing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Steele sending letters. So yeah, we we just we just hear about what he's up to. Never actually meet him. <laughs> Maybe Robert Steele turns out in a shocking twist to be the man from the CSA who set the sent the demanding letter, or um, the mousy administrator, or some character. He he was there all along. <laughs> We've talked about Robert Steele and his, his undercover skills. <laughs> yes, exactly. We can look forward to the violent fantasy next week anyway. That'll be that'll be fun. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. I'll put that in my diary. <laughs> so, Sandy, to take us away from the horror, the horror. Actually, we did get some positivity in the story. We got colours that came hand in hand with the blackness. Lovely colours, yeah. yeah. There you go. Never let it be said that this is a relentlessly angry piece. And fatty French cheeses. I love a fatty French cheese. Yeah. It's making me, making me slightly hungry. Um, talking of escaping terrible horrors. Okay. I had a moment of great pride in my, my dad this week when a friend of a friend of a friend sent me, by way of a gentle piece of mockery, a flyer that has been circulating on WhatsApp in my hometown of St Albans mm. about a, a jubilee celebration street party. Now, I have a complicated relationship with the land of my birth, but one aspect that is not particularly complicated is my open disgust and horror at the very existence of the concept of the monarchy and quite happy to say that on the day that Britain will start its overblown orgy of red, white and blue, Vera Lynn scented candles and patriotic tea cosies, uh, Italy, where I'm now living, will be celebrating Republic Day, which makes me feel all good inside in a militant way. Anyway, the take home was that a friend of mine was basically sending me this screenshot to be all ha ha ha, your dad's street are so middle England. Look at them with their street party. And I looked at the the list of attendees and noticed that my dad was not on the list and contacted him. And he, a man who, when I was a child, used to stand up because the national anthem was playing, had decided to flee and go to the West Country for the weekend just out of 
open horror at the prospect of a Jubilee street party. So very, very proud of him for his strong principled stance. How will New Zealand be celebrating the the Jubilee of their head of state? (laughs) Not much is happening here. We get a day off. No strong feelings either way. Yeah, I mean... It doesn't help with Prince Andrew doing what he does. Not a great look, is it? <laughs> no. 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 Well, a day off. A day off That's good. Nice. God save the Queen. Exactly. I hope that next week I will have a jolly anecdote that is a bit more of a jolly anecdote and a bit less of an angry rant because next week I'm going to be hosting the tiny kitten of whom we've heard so much uh, that my, my girlfriend is bringing over to stay for a couple of weeks. And we're going to try to introduce him gradually to my frankly haughty and ill-tempered cat so we'll, we'll see how that goes next week may be soundtracked by just continual feline violence exploding outside the door of my sweaty little cupboard it, from my experience introducing two cats together is absolutely fine well i'll let you know how it goes <laughs> all right sandy well um we'll look forward to the violent fantasy can't wait next week can't wait yay <laughs> take care right, see you bye bye and welcome to Perfectly Murder. Oh, bugger. Right, okay. (laughs) Perfectly Murder. (laughs) Good good morning. Welcome to Imperfectly Murderous. (laughs) Oh, crap.